Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic Monday edition of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always. Good news, Nate. Good news, Nate, today. Coming in on a Monday after the weekend full of uh, tears from certain football fans and oh. joyous from others. We didn't get to talk about that in the uh, pre-show. but Celebration. I saw this Detroit Lions fan who's a big Matthew Stafford guy screaming at his TV mm. at the end of the game saying, clock it, clock it, clock it. I, uh, He's a Detroit Lions fan, but a big Matthew Stafford guy, obviously. I was pretty disappointed by all the games over the weekend. I was disappointed by the games the weekend before that. Hey, Overall, least, it's been a very disappointing time. At least time. the Cowboys lost to the team that's going to the NFC Championship That's true. <laughs> I didn't know which way I wanted because I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers go, you know, before he thinks about retiring. They're going on to a, to a different team. I wanted to see him do well before he left. Plus, I knew all of the uh, crazy vaccinists out there were going to be going hard on Aaron Rodgers after he lost. You know, it's probably because he's unvaccinated is what it is. Of course, I think Skip Bayless tweeted saying that, that Aaron Rodgers was immunized against the postseason, <laughs> something like that. And anyway, so, you know, uh, I guess I was trying to play the other side of the team and hoping that he was that he was going to win. And then Tom Brady, we had talked about how it would be cool to see Brady come and get his uh, eighth Super Bowl yeah. trophy. I think that that would be cool to see uh, the Titans. Except if he would have won Saturday or yesterday. Yeah. He would have tied the Cowboys for playoff wins himself. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> they, they don't deserve it. Uh, the Titans, you know, we're here and we live in Nashville and it'd be cool to see your home team do well. They went out there. You know, didn't make it. So trash. The only thing I can look at that's good is it's been a long time since the Bengals have gone this far. And so Mm. I guess I feel good for Cincinnati. That's the storyline. Oh, Joe Burrows. That's about it. That's about the only positive I can take out of this whole thing. He said the kicker like hit one warm up kick right before um, he went out to kick the game winning field goal. And he literally said after the, the little warm up kicks, like, Oh, we're going to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And went out there and nailed it. Well, um, you know, we got a little bit of good news that we're going to be not, talking about before we get going, before we really get into the, the deep, terrible things. Actually, we don't have that many terrible things to talk about. But good news today. You had something else you wanted to say about that before I get going. I uh, can tell. That's fine. It's too late now. It's <laughs> The moment has passed. Except I am. I'm, I'm pretty happy that Maurice is here. Yeah. One of the OGs. The OG. The OG of, of GML. Yes. Um, live show participant. Um, and so it's it's nice of him to grace us with his presence. And you know, in honor of Maurice being here, I wanted to tell you guys about a new podcast that I found that is really cool. So with Maurice being here, I think it's cool to talk about. Now listen, we got a lot of libertarians in here and we can ask ourselves a lot of you know, why Why is it so hard to sue police and other government officials when they violate the Constitution? We've talked about qualified immunity quite a bit. That's something that we'd like to see a little bit bit of reform on. Let me tell you guys about the Bound by Oath podcast. They examine legal doctrines like qualified immunity that close the courthouse doors on victims of government misconduct. It's brought to you by the Institute for Justice, which is a nonprofit law firm that litigates police brutality, free speech, and other civil rights cases. 
Bound by Oath is a legal history podcast with scholars, journalists, and litigators that feature stories of real people fighting to hold government officials accountable for using excessive force, for lying on the witness stand, and for putting innocent people in prison, and much more. You want to listen to Bound by Oath on any of your podcast app, Apple, Spotify, whatever you want. I listen to it. Spot a guy. Spot a guy. Hey, (laughs) I spot a guy. No, but seriously, I listened to this one the other day because they reached out, you know, do an ad, and it's really good. It's That's like not this an ad. story form kind of thing, a really, really well put together story of times where qualified immunity, immunity protected police officers, things where there was a police brutality. There's a really interesting story that they just put up there right now. So you guys are going to like this podcast, Bound by Oath. The link is going to be in the show notes. So, hey, check it out. On the good news side of things, surprise thing for you right there, Ethan. You weren't ready for that. I wasn't. Let me tell you what. This is also a surprise, too, because we have White Pill Wednesday, and you couldn't save this. Mm-mm. So after, you know, typically over the weekend, there's so much yeah. pessimism that you come in Monday just defeated, yeah. and you're screaming on the mic. I thought this was the most important thing over the weekend, so I wanted to talk about it today. All right. So billionaire Mark... Cuban, billionaire Mark Cuban, is opening an online pharmacy to provide affordable generic drugs. I think that's pretty cool. This article here is from Forbes. Billionaire investor Mark Cuban launched an online pharmacy Thursday that offers more than 100 generic drugs at an affordable price with the goal of being radically transparent in its price negotiations with drug companies. How about that? The Mark Cuban cost, this is the worst part of the whole story. The Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs Company, or MCCPDC, that they are known as right now, is a registered pharmaceutical wholesaler and purchases drugs directly from manufacturers, bypassing middlemen to lower the price of more than 100 medications, it said in a statement. So the way that they're going to do this is they're going to bypass all the middlemen that are selling the drugs to the pharmacies. And... A lot of people hate on middlemen, by the way. Thomas Sowell does a pretty good job talking about middlemen and basic economics. They can be used for a really good thing when, when things are made more efficient. There's a price charge for the person in the middle between the actual buyer and the seller. If you're making things more efficient, then a middleman can actually be a good thing. Now, if all you're doing is rapidly increasing the price and doing a job that isn't really necessary then you're not really a very productive or efficient middleman at that time. So Mark Cuban is thinking that these people are not doing a great job. By the way, like Amazon's a middleman. That's a whole middleman yeah, well, company, basically. Well, it, Walmart's a middleman between exactly. the person who makes the product. And anyway, they, they add some efficiency. They take a little bit of a cut on top of it. Now, if Walmart increased their markup by 1,000, 2,000% when you went there, then they wouldn't really be efficient enough for you to go buy things. But when you're in a controlled market, like pharmaceuticals or like healthcare, they're able to increase those prices and those margins as much as they want, especially when dealing with insurance companies or Medicare, things like that. They can increase that. And then you don't have the efficiency that you normally get from a middleman. So now he's going to come in, the the market, the free market, if you will, is going to come in and try to solve this problem. For example, this uh, leukemia drug, imitinib, 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 who knows? I think they should rename it. I don't like that at all. It's priced at $47 a month on MCCPDC compared to $9,657 retail price. That's a little bit different. 
It's a bit of a price difference if I ever saw one right there. The online pharmacy's prices for generics, they factor in a 15% margin on top of the actual manufacturer prices and a $3 pharmacist fee. So that's all they're going to do. Whatever they get it for, plus 15% and a $3 pharmacist fee on top of it. Not any other crazy markups like that. Which he negotiated yeah, the, in the shark tank. The markup on generics averaged at least 100%, they said, while the Wall Street Journal reports in some cases it exceeds 1,000%. The company doesn't process insurance claims and requires customers to pay for their medications out of pocket, noting its drugs cost less than most insurance plans deductible and copay requirements. All right, so that's another really big thing right there is the pharmaceutical company, the pharmacy not dealing with insurance, that you just go in there and paying cash prices for things. Because when you put another person in between the two, then you end up increasing the cost yet again. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to use insurance for every single thing, especially if it's some drug that you're taking all the time. That's not insurance. That's not in case shit, like, mm-hmm. like Chris Rock would say. That's, not in case, that's a, a for sure cost that you're going to have. You know, you don't need insurance for that. So I think the cash pricing is going to help quite a bit. They mentioned that uh, Mark Cuban's worth $4.5 billion and is a, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And of course, you've probably seen him on Shark Tank and all that. Now, he's a little bit more on the left as far as economics goes. But I do like that he's able to come in here and potentially solve a problem. We've seen some other places come in. I think Walmart Health is going to help with a lot of the problems when it comes to walk-in clinics, x-rays, stuff like that. Uh, Cuban said that he he put his name on it to show that capitalism... By the way, this is the most important thing right here. Yeah, he put his name on it to show that capitalism can be compassionate and to send the message that he's all in. So, now it is compassionate, but you do also have to realize that if they're not going to make money on this, they're not going to be able to exist. So they are going to make money on this. What they've done is they found a market where you can come in as a competitor. Probably their biggest hurdle was getting around regulations, mm-hmm. more than likely. They found a market where things are marked up ridiculously. They can come in, still put a markup on it, and still make, and still make money off of things. And so they're still going to need to make money off of this idea. If they just lose money all the time, they're not going to be able to keep going. Because they still have to pay their pharmacists, mm-hmm. pay their pharmacy tax. People filling the medication and shipping the medication and those types of things. Um, they're still going to have to pay for those types of things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think this is, this is absolutely amazing. This is, ac- this is actually what we need to prove, right? To actually prove. Now, other places have been able to do this. For instance, we've talked about the, um, the doctors who don't take any insurance, who basically have a monthly subscription plan. Mm-hmm. They also can buy medications at wholesale prices. And so then they you're able to fill your prescriptions through them. Um, what are those called again? It's I, I'm, for some reason I have like the holistic stuck in my mind, but that's not it. It's whatever it is where you can basically uh, pay for a doctor monthly. You saw one, right? Um, well, yeah, I went to one. I can't remember what it's called. It was ninety bucks a month to go to the to go to the place, and you could go there anytime you wanted and get blood tests, and mm. and they would fill prescriptions and stuff like that. I can't remember what it's called. We got to take a break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, something preventing you from achieving your goals? I've gone through this before. Charlie's gone through this before. He uses BetterHelp himself. 
I've gone and talked to counselors before. Sometimes maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Maybe there's a different perspective that you need to look out for. Taking care of your mental health is something that is very important and it's also very possible. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You're going to connect in a safe and private online environment, so much more convenient than fighting traffic, going into the office somewhere. You just get on the app and talk to someone. You can start talking to them in under 24 hours. This is not some self-help app. This is actual professional counseling. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to go to that freaking waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to giving you great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. If they match you up with someone and you don't like them, you can switch over to someone else. It's more affordable than actually going into the office because you're just doing it over an app. And this is available worldwide. You got expertise in so many different areas. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family, grief, self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. This is very convenient, it's professional, it's affordable because you're doing it through an app instead of going into the office. You can go to the website and check out the testimonials. And by the way, this is not a crisis line. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. There's a reason for that because a lot of people are using this app to get help. If you wanna start living a happier life today as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash GML. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. So this is from Reason, and uh, it's for your benefit, folks. Mm -hmm. So listen here. The IRS wants you to send selfies to a facial recognition company. Americans who want to access tax returns, tax return transcripts, check on child tax credits or do other tasks through the IRS website will have to turn over their image to a facial recognition company called ID.me. To get verified through ID.me, a person must provide a photo of an identity document such as a driver's license, state ID or passport and take a selfie with a smartphone or a computer with a webcam. The IRS website explains. The IRS emphasizes taxpayers can pay or file their taxes without submitting a selfie or other information to a third-party identification company. Um, but that's not so for tasks like accessing tax account information, including your tax records online, using the child tax credit update portal, setting up an online payment plan, or getting an identity, identity protection PIN. And additional IRS applications will transition to the new method over the next year. Now, getting that PIN, I am... I'm wondering about because anytime that I go to file my taxes online, it asks for what my pen is from the IRS, like from the previous year, which I never remember. And then I have to go to the IRS website and try to fill out some kind of thing to figure out what my pen was. So am I going to have to put in my face to figure out what my pen was to do online taxes? I think in the words of Jordan Peterson, you need to send a below the belt selfie. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got gotcha. you. That's what he called it when he was talking about Jeff Bezos sending out. Oh, anyway, the new process is one more step. The IRS has taken to ensure that taxpayer information is provided only to the person who is legally, who legally has the right to the data. So this is all protection for you folks. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Look, they already have, if you have a driver's license, they have your picture. If you have social media, they have your picture. They've got it anyway. Um, so I'm not saying this is something new, like where they don't have people's faces. They already do. But this is an easier step for them to cross-reference and mm-hmm. verify different photos and things like that. Well, also a face ID thing is not just a picture of your face. It's, it's biometric data. Like they don't just use the photo that's got a heat map of your face mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff that, listen, I, I'm not saying they're just going to automatically start using it for other stuff. But China, they're going to use it for other stuff. Exactly. Okay. This is just a gateway. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to be used for other stuff. Yes. Of course, turning over private data to ID.me, including social security numbers, ID documents, et cetera, risks exposing them through security breaches and through the company's own policies. ID.me offers relatively broad criteria under which it can share your data. Quote, information we receive about you can be accessed and preserved for an extended period when it is the subject of a legal request or obligation uh, governmental investigation or investigations of possible violations of our terms or policies, criminal and other investigations or otherwise to prevent harm. Mm. So, so the, the ending there is just a broad paintbrush. Yeah. All they have to do is be like, Oh, we were just trying to prevent harm. It's part of an investigation. Yeah. Prevent harm. Exactly. Yeah. Define harm. Right. What is it? Uh, having a low social credit score. <laughs> you didn't get vaccinated. Oh, we're trying to prevent harm. Trying to against yourself. There we go. We don't want you to harm yourself. Listen, you know, I try to not get too conspiracy theory wise, but they do have this whole face ID thing in Australia that they've used quite a bit. I don't know if anyone's followed what's going on in Australia, but it's pretty crazy. Or China. Or in China also. And then, you know, we give our face, our facial recognition to like Apple. Apple's got my face when I put my face in my phone. I'm for some reason trust Apple more than I trust whatever company the government's going to use to get this stuff. But they could turn it over at any point. Yeah. They could, you know, for a hundred years, they can be like, we care about your privacy. We'll never do that. And then one day decide to do it. So the other, you know, the other funny part is to be able to do this, you've got to have a state ID or passport to be able to put your face in it, which is obviously racist. This is inherently racist Mm -hmm. as far as a plan goes. So we should write an article with the headline that says, Biden's IRS administration is racist. Mm-hmm. I can make a TikTok video. You know, anytime we make a TikTok video making fun of Biden, it does really well. I put out one yesterday. It's got 90,000 views since like 4 p.m. yesterday. Our top video, right at the 500,000 view mark right now, where we're just talking about gas prices going up, you know? Mm-hmm. So we just need more stuff making fun of Biden. That's all we need. You just need Biden. That's it. We'll just go making fun of Biden. We'll just go for the low hanging fruit all the time, which is Biden. Okay, one more thing as far as business goes here, and then we're going to get into a comment that Robert Reich III made over the weekend as well. The world's five richest tech tycoons, including Elon Musk, Bezos, and Gates, have lost about eighty-five billion this year, while the market continues to sell off. By the way, the market. I can't believe they wrote an article about this. This is about the only one I've found, but I've been looking for all these articles telling me how much money Elon Musk lost uh, today while, while their stock is down another 3 or 4%. And this article tells you he's down over $100 billion since Tesla's peak. And like Amanda says here, it's still wrong. Yeah. They haven't lost any money either. No, no, they haven't, actually. No. But if we're counting whatever their net worth is, then they have lost it. But of course, if they're not cashing out, then they haven't actually lost the money. 
So the world's five richest have collectively lost about $85 billion of their wealth in the first few weeks of 2022, with their fortunes taking an especially big hit from last week's market sell-off. I don't know if people have been paying attention, but holy crap, the market is selling off like crazy right now. And uh, it's, I mean, we're in what looks like a market crash at this point. It's technically just a market correction right now, but it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. Let me tell you what. The losses sent the fortune of the world's richest person, Elon Musk, down an est- to an estimated $243 billion, which is $27 billion lower than the start of the year. And he's going to be down probably $35 billion now with what's going on today. And that's $100 billion lower than when Tesla peaked in, uh, in November before he mentioned selling shares of the company. Uh, Bill Gates has uh, lost $9.5 billion on his net worth. Mark Zuckerberg, I believe, is $12 billion. So... Hey, that is happening, and here's what I want to know. Is there a such thing as unrealized loss credits? Are we going to count unrealized losses? People want to count unrealized gains. Yeah. I feel like we need to count unrealized losses. Un- is there going to be an unrealized loss tax credit? I think, uh, <laughs> to be fair, that's what we have to do. <laughs> so I uh, wonder, now, why does not, like, I wish a, an anchor, like a news anchor, would do an interview with, like, Warren or somebody like this and just ask him that question. Yeah. Like, what do you think about this? Instead of, hey, Elon Musk has made $100 billion over the last year. Like, what do you think about that? It's like, well, obviously, we need to tax that. Instead of do an interview now and be like, hey, Elon Musk has lost $100 billion since November. What do we do about that? Probably still need to tax it, is, yeah. what, they would, is what she would say. You tax it in either direction, yes. honestly. Up or, up or down, it yeah. doesn't matter. Okay, the next thing, I just wanted to mention real quick something that Robert Reich III said that I thought was especially dumb. And I couldn't wait for Friday because we're going to have plenty of stuff to talk about by the time Friday rolls around. No one should be as rich as Elon Musk when millions of Americans still don't have health care. No one should be as rich as Elon when millions of Americans still don't have health care. You could replace that with anybody. No one should be as rich as Robert Reich when millions <laughs> yeah. of Americans still don't have health care. Just to pull someone off the top of your head. Just a random person. Yeah, Robert Reich, maybe. Yeah. Um, now, first off, we started with the story of, uh, what was it, Mark Cuban going to take his billions of dollars in net worth and actually solve a problem, something that people have been waiting on Congress to do, this whole thing. Like, oh, we need Congress to pass a law we to cut out middlemen. Yeah. And, and, and instead, he takes his net worth and, and is going to be solving some big problems. The other thing now, is... what does that do, too, by the way? In, introducing that type of competition is going to cause all the other pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies and middlemen to lower their prices to compete yep. with Mark Cuban's new website. They're going to start cutting out their middlemen or decreasing all of their numbers. And mm-hmm. maybe the insurance will still cover so you can still go to Walgreens and get it for free or whatever, but uh, that's going to have downward pressure on their prices as well. That's Competition is an amazing thing. It's so amazing. I love it. The other part of the dumb here is the math part of it. So, okay, Elon Musk's net worth, uh, looking at this, maybe $240 billion. It's less than that now. It's probably $220 billion, something like that. If he were to sell, if he were just going to cash out right now, he would maybe, if he were lucky, he would get $100 billion. Maybe. Let's say he gets all of it. Yeah. If he got all of it, maybe he'll get 240. He's not going to get all. I want everyone to understand that. It's not possible. When he talked about selling shares last time, uh, it 
decreased like 15% while he was selling. So if he was going to cash out, it would just keep going down and down because he's flooding the market with supply and the demand is the same the whole time. And everyone's saying, well, I'm going to buy Tesla when it gets back down to 50 bucks while Elon Musk is selling. And eventually the price would go all the way down to 50 bucks and he wouldn't even get 100 billion out of the whole thing. Even if it was 240 billion, in that case, since we spend uh, close to four trillion, it's like 3.5 to four trillion dollars a year on healthcare in total. That's not what the government spends, but in total, then that means Musk could af- afford to pay for healthcare for everyone for about two weeks, something like that, and and then his money would be gone. He would transfer all of it to the pharmaceutical companies and the healthcare companies, by the way. It would that all would, just go to them. That would satisfy this tweet. Yeah. But then we, we just have a new problem. Yeah. Now what is yeah. the question? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we just, we just floated for two weeks. There we go. And now we're back to the same problem we used to have, except for now we don't have Elon Musk pushing us into space or giving us cool cars or... Uh, you know, 12 year old boy tweets or anything like that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he would still be alive. He'd probably still have Twitter, but you know, they just never, they never think ahead by they, I mean, dumbass socialists. That's what I mean. They just never think ahead. Yeah. That's the, they, that's the, they <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, D-A-S. Okay. All right. I got Charlie, a Supreme court article in here. All right. This coming from the New York times. So obviously you guys know this is legit here. Supreme Court will hear challenge to affirmative action at Harvard and UNC. The Supreme Court agreed on Monday to decide whether race-conscious admissions programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina are lawful, putting the fate of affirmative action in higher education at risk. The court has repeatedly upheld similar programs, most recently in 2016. The case against Harvard accused it of discriminating against Asian American students by using a subjective standard to gauge traits like likability, courage, and kindness by effectively creating a ceiling for them in admissions. Lawyers for Harvard said that the challengers had relied on a flawed statistical analysis and denied that the university discriminated against Asian American applicants. More generally, they said that race-conscious admissions policies are lawful. Now, they are actually lawful mm-hmm. so far, according to the Supreme Court precedent. And we can have a good libertarian conversation on this because should a college be able to discriminate based on race? Yeah. In my opinion, they should. Yeah. Do I think they should no. do it? No, I don't. But should they be able to? Lawfully? Yeah. 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 I guess now they are using a whole lot of my money. For that so there's a question there like when you're taking my money and using it for other people to go to college uh should you then be able to do that but as far as a private business is concerned i would say that they should should be able to decide who they're going to admit mm-hmm. based on whatever they want so quote under established precedent to achieve the educational benefits that flow from student body diversity they wrote in a brief urging the justices to deny review Universities may consider race as one factor among many in a full individualized evaluation of each applicant's background, experiences, and potential contributions to campus life. Yeah. They can consider race. Yes. In the North Carolina case, the plaintiff said the university discriminated against white and Asian applicants by giving preference to black, Hispanic, and Native American ones. The university responded that its admissions policies fostered educational diversity and were lawful under longstanding Supreme Court precedents. The Supreme Court's decision to hear both cases may have been influenced by the differing legal 
regimes that apply to the two schools. Now, there's two there's two cases they're talking about. There's the one with Harvard that's making it up there, and there's the one with North Carolina, which was affirmed basically that North Carolina could do what they were what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supreme Oh, sorry, uh, Harvard, a private entity, must comply with federal statute that bans race discrimination as a condition of receiving federal money. The University of North Carolina, which is public, must also satisfy the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause. The Supreme Court's 2016 decision upheld an admissions program at the University of Texas at Austin, holding that officials there could continue to consider race as a factor in ensuring a diverse student body. Writing for the majority, uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy said the courts must give universities substantial but not total leeway in devising their admissions programs. Such a ruling would all concerned agree reduce the number of black and latino students as nearly every selective college and graduate school with more asian american and white students gaining admission instead now to me how do we know that well uh, they know it based on the overall test scores and and this is the problem and this is where you get into the idea of the soft bigotry of low expectations because what you're essentially saying is that if if we don't discriminate based on race then the black and Latino students, they're not going to be able to get good enough test scores to be able to get into these colleges. And so instead of trying to fix that problem, which is trying to solve the public education problem that we have, the overall education problem that we have, instead of trying to address that problem, what we've done is said, well, we're actually going to lower the standards for admission into the college, and we're just going to tell other people based on their race that they can't get into the college or we're going to tell you based on your race, even though your scores aren't as good as the people that you're going up against that you can get into the college. And that's to achieve this diversity that you have to have. You can't learn unless there's diversity in the classroom. Really what you're doing is you're just setting those folks up for failure. Yeah. You're setting the people who can't compete up for failure when they can't compete. By saying that it's okay that you can't compete rather than keep doing what you're doing. We'll, we'll push you through. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than fixing that actual problem of those folks being able to compete. Yeah. And then accomplish something for themselves. So it's, it's yeah. This is where the old snake bites its tail. The, uh, and the I, chickens are coming home for the rooster. I included the CNN headline for this. You know, CNNs are they're real big in uh, misinformation and all that. I'm trying not to have it. Here was their headline about this. Supreme Court to consider landmark challenge that could restrict criteria of race in admissions practices. So they had to use the word restrict. Mm. You got to have restrictions. And of course, people are trying to restrict, but they're talking about restricting restrictions based on based on your race. I just thought it was pretty funny. And I just thought it was good to point out that they get these buzzwords they have to use, which is restriction when it comes to all of the the voter ID rules and the voter restrictions and all that stuff. And so now saying that you shouldn't be discriminated on based on your race is the Supreme Court trying to restrict people from restricting people based on their race. Mm-hmm. And so it's a restriction. Just so you know. As long, yeah, that way they can report on restrictions because mm-hmm. that's the main problem, folks. That's the biggest and thing. And a lot of people on. will read that and think, oh my God, the Supreme Court's racist. 
That's what yeah. they're going to, that's yeah. what they're going to think. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. So interesting way to write a headline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do that quite a bit. Okay. Some random well, thing. Look, it should, you know, it should be a meritocracy when you're talking about higher education, right? Like you're talking about, and, and schools like Harvard and things like that, that are supposed to be prestigious and really difficult. You shouldn't be able to get, I mean, imagine if the NFL had a similar policy, <laughs> we just, you know, based on all kinds of factors, we get some, um, and no, no offense against handicapped people. We've got plenty of handicapped people. I love, Yeah, but you can't play football if you don't have proper diversity. That right. needs to be your goal is exactly. diversity. So you know? you, a couple of quarterbacks in wheelchairs to so make sure we've got those <laughs> out there or whatever. And then they can't be tackled the same way or what? Like imagine if we had all of these things and the, like the goal was just diversity. And then, you know, I like Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson's example of plumber. Like, you know, do you, do you want the best plumber to fix your pipes in your house? Or do you just want a diverse plumber Yeah, who barely made it out of plumbing school but at least he got in because of his race and then he causes leaks in your house and flooding or whatever. Use that for any industry. Well, what you would do see, you want the best haircut person on the planet or do you want to have a mop on your head? I definitely, I went to sport clips, so I don't care about getting the best haircut person on the planet. I do the same thing. They, uh, your hair looks good. But they got my ears. They lowered my ears quite a bit yeah. over the weekend. You can see on the it video. Still looks great. Yeah. Still looks great. Thanks. Um, the other thing, you know, when you mentioned the NFL and same thing with a lot of other sports, what you would actually see if you're going to use a, any kind of race discrimination is you would start per, making sure that you hold out like a black receiver or running back because you need a white one because we need to achieve diversity on the team. And if you did that, everyone would think it was insane because you want the fastest person out there. You want the one that can jump the highest or run the fastest and catch the ball the best. And just imagine if you were going to hold out this guy because you didn't have enough white people on the team. And so you were going to hold out this receiver that was really good so you could bring in this white dude to achieve more diversity on the team. Everyone knows that would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, okay, next thing here. Kind of random, but I had a point I wanted to make on it. So Meatloaf died. I don't know if you guys know who Meatloaf is. All right. Singer. All right. Also an actor, by the way. He was in Fight Club. Mm -hmm. His name was Robert Paulson, by the way, in, uh, in Fight Club. He, uh, I remember him, one of my favorite episodes of House that I watch all the time. He was in the episode of House also. So anyway, Meatloaf died. And the speculation is that he died from COVID. Rocky Horror Picture Show mm -hmm, was in that mm -hmm. as well. The mm -hmm. speculation is that he died from COVID. And uh, that hasn't been officially confirmed, but TMZ reported that he died from COVID. So, so anyway, uh, that's as confirmed as we have it right now. So everyone's running with that. And everyone's all giving him hell, like a bat out of hell, because he, uh, because he was against all the vaccine mandates. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't obvious at all. Mm -mm. Not one bit. He was against all the vaccine mandates. Now, ironically, a bat out of hell against COVID vaccine mandates. And mm -hmm. anyway, um, oh, crap, I didn't put the actual tweets in here. So there are a lot of people out there talking about how he was a, uh, a pandemic a-hole, is what they were calling him. Uh, all sorts of bad names because of his, his feelings and basically that he got what he deserved uh, because he was against all the mandates. And one thing that bothers me is when people act like, 
uh, I don't know, others don't know, like if you're against the mandates, you don't know that you could die from COVID. Like I'm against the mandates and I'm not vaccinated. I'm completely aware of the fact that I could die from COVID. It's a thing that kills people. And so I know that. And so yeah, stuff like this. You're aware you could die on, in the car on the way I over could. to the office. I still got in the car today. Yeah. I did. So this person says Meatloaf had COVID, a bad case recently. He was anti-science mask and vaccine denier. Denying the va- It's like denying Christ, really. Denying that vaccine. Mm. His vaccine status is not released, by the way. He mocked and stoned to death yeah, he's, in the court, <laughs> he, courtyard. He mocked public health measures before he died and told a reporter, if I die, I die. Friends, Meatloaf was a pandemic a-hole. All right, and here's another one, same thing. Meatloaf died of COVID-19 and recently spouted COVID-19 anti-vaccine propaganda. Mm. Now I'll tell you the actual stuff that they're that they're pulling from here. Here's his his anti-vaccine propaganda. So, speaking to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette in August, he told the interview that he hugs people in the middle of COVID, and said that he understood stopping life for a little while, but they cannot continue to stop life because of politics. And right now they're stopping because of politics. The singer went on to complain about being asked to wear a mask on a plane stating that he didn't believe paper masks were as good as N95s at stopping the coronavirus from spreading. So he was making the point that they're having everyone wear pointless masks, which, by the way, the people are coming out admitting that they're pointless. Uh, Anyway, he said, we had to go on the airplane with the paper masks, and then on the way back, we got a Nazi, get your mask on now. They're power mad, he told the paper. He said, let's see, the interviewer said, we're being controlled by everybody. And he said, yeah, I know, but not me. If I die, I die, but I'm not going to be controlled. Okay. That's also, uh, I mean, he was also talking about stopping life. He was like, you know, it was okay to stop it for a little while. He's like, I understood that because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. But then he's alluded to is like, you can't just continue to stop life Mm -hmm. when we actually know what this thing is now. And yes, it can be dangerous for some people. Uh, for sure. And then there are, you know, people that have died from it. However, you can't just completely halt life because there are other things that people die from. Loneliness being one of them that leads yeah. to all kinds of things. Um, he was asked, uh, the, the reporter said, you're not afraid of COVID? And he said, I'm scared to death. Are you kidding me? But I'm sorry. That's when he said, I understood stopping life, but they can't continue to stop because of politics. So he said he was scared to death of COVID but basically that he wasn't going to be controlled. And so what I hate when this happens is first off, if he was, they don't even know what his vaccine status was. All the stuff said that. So he wasn't that anti-vaccine. He was anti-vaccine mandates. He was very much against the different mandates. Okay. And he thought that the face masks were stupid, all of that stuff. What I hate is when people come out here and say, Oh, this vaccine denier died. Ha ha. Let's make fun of him. And it, there's a big disconnect right there with what people actually believe and what they're saying when they don't like the vaccine mandates or when they don't take them. It's not that you don't think you could die. What they don't, what these people don't understand is that that's a risk that people are accepting when they make that decision to not be controlled and they knew that they could die. Okay. It's not like this hero that went out there. They were going to pull people out of the building. They died in the fire. We're like, ah, let's make fun of that guy. He just died in the fire. Didn't think he could die. You know, yeah. a crazy person thought he was impervious to fire. Like, no, he knew that he could potentially die in the fire. And so anyway, what the people don't get is that 
You're accepting that risk. I'm accepting that risk. And I've said it on the podcast before. I might die from COVID. I'll say what, what Meatloaf did. If I die, I die. But I'm not going to have anyone force me to do anything. I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I don't think I could die from COVID or that I don't know that that's a possibility. They're two separate situations. Being against vaccine mandates does not mean that you think you can't die from COVID. I mean, this is all Braveheart. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. And he's like, when he says run, sure, run Mm -hmm. and you'll live or hide (laughs) and you'll live, right? Fight and you may die. That's it's all it all goes back to Braveheart. It does. That's all of it. Whole, it's always Braveheart. That's the whole thing of this episode. It's Braveheart. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, could you guys imagine if Nate hadn't seen Braveheart still? That'd be crazy. Yeah. It all goes back. You either you can run and hide and you can live or you can fight and you may die. But wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you just give one chance? And when he died, you know, the spoiler alert, sorry. Um when he died, it, it wasn't like people are making fun of him like, ah, this guy was a, was a guillotine denier. He didn't think that uh, <laughs> people's heads could be chopped off for, for going against the king or anything. What an idiot. Like, yeah. no, he knew that. He knew it. He was doing it anyway. Yeah. Somebody said that it's possible they misquoted him. He said, if I die, I die a free man. Um, and I don't know if he said I, that or not. I think that was more of a Braveheart quote, really. But that's, well, that's the thing. It's like, if I die, I die like a free, a free person. Yeah. Like I, I did it on my own accord. I did it understanding the risks implicated to my own life. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing, folks, you have to decide that for yourself. You know, like I say that all the time, by the way, too, is like when I get on airplanes and stuff, God, people get on airplanes all the time and those things have crashed before mm-hmm. and when they do most likely you die and so i i get them all the time and my, i remember my dad one time got tickets for us to go to vegas and he purchased extra like paid more money to get tickets in the back of the in the back of the plane we literally sat on the last row and i was like dad why did you do this he's like well according to research if the plane crashes <laughs> you're more likely to survive in the back and i was like dad if this plane is going down I don't care. You're going to die. Yeah. I died doing what I loved. Yeah. Flying to Vegas. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I love. Yeah. Flying on planes to Vegas. 